When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Pregnancy Confidential, week 34. Due dates are dumb. Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and bump through all 40 weeks. I'm Dana Points. I'm the editor of Parents. I've been through this 40-week fandango a couple times. And with me today is... Chandra Turner. I'm the executive editor of Parents, and I have two kids. And... Erica Janes. I'm the digital director of Parents.com, and I also have two kids. So we've learned a thing, or or three. (laughs) Um, Or six. Or six. (laughs) Or 600 about this pregnancy thing. And probably you're learning a lot, too, right now. So if you've subscribed to maybe a pregnancy newsletter, hopefully ours, or if you have one of those day-by-day pregnancy apps on your phone, everything revolves around your due date. The first thing anybody's going to ask you to put in in your data is, when are you due? It's also the thing that everybody wants to know the minute you tell people you're pregnant. It's the thing that you're going to start to base some of your maternity leave calculations around. So it's really critical, but (laughs) it's not always accurate. So you shouldn't really look at it as sort of the be-all and end-all. You know, maybe base your, your broad strokes decisions on it, but don't get too obsessed about that actual day. We'll explain more about this in a minute. For now, we're going to turn to our favorite topic every week, which is how big is your baby? And it's week 34, so things are getting really interesting in terms of your baby's size. Erica, give us some examples. Oh, muskmelon? What, what, what's, muskmelon. what is a muskmelon? I think a muskmelon is the same thing as a cantaloupe, right? Or similar? It sounds like it's I moldy. I think similar. <laughs> Like a moldy melon, but or maybe sure maybe a little nicer. squash. So that be like, like a spaghetti one... squash. Uh-huh. Okay, a small one. It's so like a child-sized basketball. Uh huh. Yes. Okay, I'll buy that. You know, a small pendant lamp, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, if you want more details about what's going on with your baby this week, things beyond fruits and vegetables, but extending to really critical issues about your baby's development, your development as a mom-to-be, your emotions that you're probably feeling right now, some of the practical details of getting ready for your baby. If you'd like more detail about all of that, in addition to listening to the podcast, you can sign up for our daily pregnancy email at parents.com slash pregnancy daily. Due dates are dumb. That's today's topic. And you probably have friends counting down like right to the day, the hour, the minute. You know, we see all the time people posting like 27 days or 14 more hours or whatever. And it's fun. And it does help you like with your pregnancy app or your newsletter, keep track of things. And it's kind of important when doctors try to schedule tests and things like your 20-week visit, you know, you probably remember was really critical. And if you're really feeling like you're ready to be done with this pregnancy thing, it can be good to have an end goal. 
But the truth is that only 5% of women give birth when they think they will. And I was definitely one of those women who did not give birth when she thought she would. (laughs) I think it's because of the way they calculate the due date. It's like 280 days from your last menstrual cycle. Yeah, from the first first day day of of your last period. Right, first day of your last period. Right, it's always the first day. Which, of course, you have to be paying attention to as well. Mm -hmm. So you have to remember that um, when you go in for your first visit. So if you're trying to get pregnant, you probably are keeping notes. But if you're not, you're like, well, I don't know. I think it was X day. So that also factors in. My due date was kind of off. And I I blame it all, much of it, on the fact that I really had no idea when the first day of my last period was. Because I didn't even have periods on a regular monthly schedule. So it was just like... Who knows when it was? And then I think the way they figured out my due date was not even by doing that 280-day formula. It was really that she did an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, that baby looks like it's about this big. And they can pinpoint it a little better. Like sometimes after the end of the first trimester, you might have been one of those people who got your due date adjusted because that's when they can do a little bit better. But I got a revised due date. You did. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Did you deliver on it? No. No. And I was tracking I knew when my period was. I knew when I had a little action in the bedroom. Um, so I was pretty confident that the first one they gave me was right. And then they said the baby was measuring small. They pushed it back by five days. And then I ended up delivering a week early from that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I think they might have been right the first time. The first yeah. or at least closer. Or closer. Yeah. Right. So there was a study by the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences that found that the length of a healthy pregnancy can vary by as much as five weeks. So they might give you a due date, but it's kind of perfectly normal to have that baby somewhere in the two-week window before or somewhere in the two-week window after. And as long as your doctor's checking you and looking for symptoms that might indicate that you need to be delivered, everything is fine. So hopefully right now at 34 weeks, if you are truly 34 weeks, you still have a few weeks left. You know, they really like to see babies go, they like to see babies go all the way to 40 weeks, you know, definitely Mm -hmm. 38, 37 is not terrible, but we like 38 or 39 or 40. Yeah, it's nice to have a big fat baby. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about the the due dates being a little off is that your 37 or 8 could really be 36 or 35, right? And sometimes people have to get like plane tickets for their relatives who are going to come visit and they really. Oh, that's dangerous. That can be tricky. So maybe don't don't make any huge monetary investments based on your due date. (laughs) Right. I was 10 days early and I was still just like itching to have this baby. And and both of them came 10 days early. And of course, if you come early for one pregnancy, it doesn't necessarily mean that the next baby is going to be early. So there's no way to predict it. And so I'm just like just waiting and sitting around like everything's tied up. The nursery is done. The work is all in order. You know, and is counting down those days. And if I had to go one more day, I would have, I think I just, I would have literally exploded. I wasn't feeling ready at all. No? I wasn't at the point of being over it. At three weeks before my due date, I really wasn't thinking that I would have the baby. And in fact, just a couple of days before that, I had had my regular checkup and my doctor said, somewhat reassuringly, she said, oh, you know, you're at the 37 week mark now. If you had the baby, tomorrow, it would probably be fine. You wouldn't need to worry about it. It wouldn't be considered early labor. And she said, but I don't think that's going to happen. 
famous last words. I mean, right. I mean, so right here, you know, the three of us, none of us delivered on our due date or even really super close even to close. <laughs> So, well, you know, that's an official scientific uh, survey of three. So if you are counting down to your due date and you want to share some of your excitement with us or your anxiety, you can tweet us at Parents Magazine with the hashtag Pregnancy Confidential. This week's Relax You've Got This is about learning delivery room lingo. Labor has its own vocabulary, and it can sound like Greek. In fact, some of it might be Greek. <laughs> uh, what do I know? I didn't take Greek, only Latin. But it's good to get schooled now in some of the language that you're going to hear thrown around that labor and delivery room when the time comes. Now, if you have a great labor nurse, and I've been really fortunate that I had two great ones, a good labor nurse will coach you through this and help you understand some of these terms. But if you want to sort of, you know, feel confident and like you've you've got this stuff, let's talk about what some of those terms are. Let's take an easy one like back labor. What is back labor? Ouch. <laughs> I didn't have back labor. Did you? I didn't. No. I don't know. By the time I actually had labor after I was induced, I had just like labor all over. But technically, I think it means when the baby's back is against your own back, it really hurts more and it can make for a longer labor. So just something to think about as you're thinking about your pain management during labor and how you want to handle pain. Anybody want to throw out another one, another example? Um, spinal block. And it's interesting. I think I might have had a spinal block instead of an epidural because a spinal block wears off. And I remember that mine wore off. Um, and I had... <laughs> <laughs> I had to demand it. terrible. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Why can I feel this? I shouldn't be feeling this. So a spinal block is different than epidural, although they're both administered. Um, but you didn't have a C-section, right? No, I did not. You didn't. Because I think usually the spinal block Yes, it's is usually reserved. Well, the right. The C-section, yes. right. But I guess who knows what they're, who knows they're, what they're, they're doing these days. in the moment. Erica, you got one for us? Dilation and effacement. Oh, yeah. Um, because I still both don't know those, the difference between those two. I remember, again, at that 37-week OBGYN appointment with my first pregnancy, my doctor telling me that I was a little bit dilated and effaced at that point, which maybe should have been more of a clue that... Warning, um, you're going to go into labor. <laughs> that things were starting to happen. And at the time, I just thought, oh, good, you know, baby's head down, starting to be dilated, starting to be a face, like one centimeter dilation, you know, so... Truly, I was confused about this the whole time. Dilation is the opening of the cervix. Right. How large is the opening in centimeters? Just to confuse you, they go to the metric system between zero and 10. And zero is Completely, completely shut, shut, and 10 is completely open. Like you're giving birth. Wide open, you're ready to push. <laughs> well, yeah, it's They're not the gonna end let you of push that before. first stage of, of labor, right? right? Now, okay, so that was dilation. Then effacement is... The softening of the cervix. And that is not measured in centimeters. It's measured on a percentage scale. And softening is kind of weird because what's really happening, if I recall, is it's kind of thinning out. Mm -hmm. So that is a percentage. And 0% means you're not ready. You're not ready. Let's keep it simple. And 100% means it's thinned out and you are ready. So the good news is in both cases, the higher the number, the closer you are. Right. Yep. But at the same time, I've heard that you can be quite a bit dilated even you know days before you ever go into labor so you could come home and be like honey 
I'm so many centimeters dilated. It's going to be today. And actually, no, you may have may a long be. time. Um, yeah. Sometimes these things can, it can move really quickly, and sometimes it's just like annoyingly, frustratingly slow. So it's um, another everybody's number. Everybody's different. Another number like your due date that maybe oh, just that's right. You cannot predict. You know, bottom line is you cannot predict pregnancy, anything with pregnancy at all. It's good training for life. <laughs> so, right. so there's two other. There's EFM and IFM, and the quick version of that is EFM is external fetal monitoring. And that means they're using some kind of external device. It's not invasive. You can walk around and, and all that during labor. Internal fetal monitor is, you know, if they're not getting enough information about how the baby's doing during labor or if you're in some kind of high-risk pregnancy situation, they actually go in there with a little electrode and place it on the baby's scalp while you're in labor, basically. It's kind of cool. So your baby is going to be monitored one way or the other, as are you during labor and delivery. So those are the two ways. And then after you have the baby, the baby goes for pop quiz, ladies. What do they do to the baby? They give it a... APGAR score. APGAR. Okay. What's that APGAR? Is that Greek? No. It stands for activity, pulse, grimace, which is reflexes, appearance, and respiration. And this was actually by Virginia Apgar. So it was quite a long time ago, but she was an OB, if I remember correctly, at the turn of the century. And she created this Apgar score, and it actually ended up um, saving a lot of babies' lives because she could recognize a lot by the reflexes and how well these babies scored if they needed to have additional help um, rather than being sent home with the moms early. That's fascinating. I also, I have to hand it to her for taking her last name, Apgar, and then figuring out (laughs) an acronym where the activity, pulse, grimace, appearance, and respiration all had to do with how the baby's doing. Like, is the baby moving around? Is the pulse strong? Any other weird terms? Erica, do you remember anything? Maybe a good one to know is meconium. Oh, yeah. Because (laughs) if that happens before baby is actually delivered, that can be dangerous. What is Um, it? Explain what it is. It's baby's first bowel movement. Which, just to be clear, doesn't look anything like a bowel movement it's a you've ever seen before. Sticky tar-like. Yeah, it's like an oil mess. slick. It's gross. Yeah, kind of black. Not You'll definitely see it after the baby's born. Yes. At home or in the hospital if right. it's not during right. birth. But what happens is if the meconium passes during labor, then the baby can aspirate some of that stuff, yep. and that's not good. And it can be dangerous. Yeah. Right. So, but that's one of the reasons that. Once you start to labor, they're going to be looking for signs of distress. And so don't yourself, don't distress yourself too much with this right now. Um, Because after all, this is relax. You've got this. That's it for Pregnancy Confidential for now. Our producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. Our engineer is Henry Malofsky. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. We hope you'll let us know what you think of the show. You'll find us on Twitter at Parents Magazine. We're also listening to your comments on Facebook at facebook.com, Parents Magazine, or Instagram at, of course, Parents Magazine. And if you like the show, please tell a friend, a pregnant friend, and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Please leave us a rating. Ratings help other people find our podcast, and it tells us what you think. Unlike other podcasts, you don't have to wait a week for the next episode. They're available for you now, and you don't have very many weeks left. And hey, you know, your due date might be a little off. So if you want a sneak peek of what the next few weeks have ahead for you, go ahead. Listen to the next episode right now.